They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. And welcome into the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com as well as iTunes. Joe O'Donnell and John Mita here with you. We'll get into lots of Eagles talk, my friends. But first, we open with the end of an era in Phillies baseball. Spreading some love, if you will, to the big man Ryan Howard. Johnny Mita, who ends his career essentially with the Philadelphia Phillies yesterday afternoon in the final game of the 2015-2016 campaign. Excuse me, 2016 campaign wrapping up yesterday. Phil's beat the Mets. That doesn't matter. Ryan Howard, the big piece, probably last game in a Phillies uniform. Yeah, it was a uh, bit of a sad day, but uh, I, I do like how the Phillies organization kind of went about it and gave him the proper send-off that, that he deserves. He is the greatest, well, I don't know. Some people might say Mike Schmidt, but he's like the greatest slugger in Philly history. What he brought to the table when he became a big leaguer was just, in, it was must-see TV. Okay, powered up. Is he going to hit a home run? It felt like the one year when he dropped 58 bombs in that season, it felt like every other plate appearance, the guy was going to hit a home run. And it brought so much excitement back to an organization it was flatline. It was had more losses than just was just not a winning franchise at all. And with him and some of the other superstars that were on the 2018, the Jimmy Rollins, the Chase Utley, it just it just brought back those were some ex- great times throughout his career. There were so many great memories, and he was just and he and he went about his business the right way. And I think that's kind of. I think he might go down. I think eventually, once this all sinks in, he's going to go down as one of the most underappreciated athletes in Philadelphia Philly history, and or maybe even Philly sports history. And I think a lot of that's to do with, I think the one thing that kind of hurt him was when he injured his Achilles tendon against St. Louis in the playoffs. He just never seemed to recover from that injury, which was a total shame because – I think he would have had another good three to four years of just you know, absolutely tearing the cover off the baseball. But it seemed really hard for him to catch up to that. And obviously pitchers kind of figured out how to how to pitch you know, against him and what his weakness was, which was absolutely the breaking ball. But a stand-up guy went about it the right way. It was a tough season. You know, when you've been an all-star throughout your career, you've been a great player and – you kind of get told by your team and your organization that you're now going to become a platoon player. 
even though you still think you have a lot in the tank. That's a hard pill to swallow. But he was very emotional yesterday. I saw his speech. I don't know, Joe, you had the opportunity to uh, look it up on YouTube or MLB.com. And, uh, you know, he's always going to be one of my favorite players. Love his nickname, the Big Piece. That's a great nickname. We heard that great call from the late, great Harry Callis. And a lot of memories. And, uh, you know, I wish Ryan Howard and his family, you know, nothing but happiness and wherever, if he decides to play next year, if another team in the major leagues gives him an opportunity to play, I wish him nothing but the best. But uh, he will always go down as an all-time favorite Philly for me, for sure. 36 years of age for Ryan Howard, who was a fifth-round pick in 2001. Talk about a steal. I know the baseball draft is long, you know, 40 rounds or whatever, but still, to get a guy like that in the fifth round, almost 1,200 career RBIs, almost, four home, uh, almost 400 home runs as a Philly, and let's be honest, had he stayed healthier, he would have shattered that and probably been closer to 500 home runs and nearly 6,000 at-bats all in a Phillies uniform. Yes, it will be weird if next year he appears in a different team's uniform. If that's what he wants to do, though, you can't fault the man. I don't know how many American League teams are going to be looking for a guy to DH that uh, is going to strike out as much as he has over the last couple years. But it's very interesting you bring up the underappreciated value because Bob Ford had a column, and I sent it to you, Johnny Mead. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out about kind of the, the similarity but the differences at the same time with Mike Schmidt and Ryan Howard, um, how Howard was maybe, you know, Schmidt wasn't appreciated until after he was gone. Howard was appreciated while he was here and then kind of start, you know, sort of fell out of favor. I mean, Philly fans have been hard on Ryan Howard the last couple of years, myself included, because we saw what the standard he set, the standard Ryan Howard set was just such a high ceiling that it's almost impossible to keep that up, to duplicate that over a long period of time. So uh, for Ryan Howard, it, you know, it's crazy to think, uh, and this is also in Bob Ford's piece, five division titles like that uh, in a row. Now it's been five years since a playoff appearance for the Philadelphia Phillies. But much love and props to Ryan Howard. He brought the Phillies back on the map. He was a big piece of that team, obviously. He's the last of that great era of Phillies baseball. You know, the Phillies really turned the page. They turned the page. And, Joe, let's not forget, too, man, like with the shift, which I think should be just totally illegal in baseball like an illegal defense. I mean, how many hits would the guy have gotten if the shift, now partly it's his fault because he wasn't able to spray the ball to the opposite field, but with that shift in place, I can't tell you how many times he was robbed of hits because they were able to do that. I mean, his batting average probably would have went up, you know, 10 to 15 points every year if, if the shift was deemed illegal. So Yeah, I well, I mean, look, when he first broke in, and again, this is – a long time ago, but in 2006, he hit 313. Yeah. You know, even 2009, he hit 279. Yeah. Uh, now this year, 196. I mean, it, it kind of really bottomed out for the big man, but uh, good to yeah. see the Phillies give him the appropriate send-off. Pete McCannon playing him in all three games over the weekend. He will certainly be missed. It'll be odd not to see him in the middle of the lineup. Uh, that left-handed bat and his, his patented stance and and launching yeah. balls with seamless ease the opposite way. So uh, much love to Ryan Howard for sure. Great right. way to put it. Buddy. All right, brother, let's uh, let's jump into the birds. You know, last time we were on, we talked about the Steelers, and it was a tough game, and I didn't know if they'd pull it out, and boy, did they dismantle Pittsburgh 34-3. to Was that the final? I mean, 
Did they score again? Yeah. It was Bucket. It, it was unbelievable. Bucket. One of the best Eagles games, most complete Eagles games in, in, in the last couple of years. I mean, maybe that Patriots game last year, you could kind of throw yeah. into that mold where you just they just stun you and they beat a team that maybe they had no business beating. Pittsburgh last night just rolled up Big Red and Andy Reid, the Kansas City Chiefs. As you could tell, they were a little hot and bothered by the way the – the Eagles just smacked them around at Lincoln Financial fee, uh, Field. It's been over. A, it's been over a week now, but uh, your lasting takeaways from the win over the Steelers is what? Ah, it was just how well that defense played. Now, granted, we all saw it last night. Le'Veon Bell is a big piece uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but D'Angelo Williams was leading the league in rushing this year, and the Eagles' defense were able to shut him down. It all started with. Benny Logan's, you know, blocked field goal. It kind of set the stage for the rest of the game. The defense, the way they locked down. Listen, Antonio Brown, he was able to get his receptions, 12 receptions for a buck 40 or a buck 50. But the fact that they kept that team out of the end zone, they're only giving up 10 points a game at the start of the season. Keep in mind, they did give up a punt firm for a touchdown. And Carson Wentz, everybody said, well, you know, including our friend Bart Scott said, yeah, he did it against some of these little sisters of the poor, but can he do it against a real-time team? And he went out there. He made some great throws. He was comfortable. It was just an end the game planning, Joe. I think that's what it really shocked me is the play calls that Frank Reich and Doug Peterson and the easiness and, and John DeFlippo, the quarterback coach, they're making it so easy. For, and this guy's just making it look easy. But – the, the throws that he makes, the accuracy that he has, and the guy never looks rattled. You know, the one thing that stood out to me big time, Joe, is they went to Dorio Green Beckham on a play. Yep. And Dorio Green Beckham drops the ball. And a lot of quarterbacks would, you know, get in the guy's face, like, come on, man, you got to have that ball. And, you know, he took the kid, he reels him back in the huddle. Now you're talking, Carson Wentz is only, what, 22 years old, you know. And, Dorio Green Beckham's been elite. He reels him back in. Good play call by Peterson and Frank Reich to go. They go right back to him, and he catches like an 18-yard pass for his first down. I love to see that. I mean, that's just what team football is all about. You don't get down on everybody. You pick each other up. You have each other's backs, and you can tell this football team they like playing hard for one another. And I think they're totally on board with the Wengs wagon. And we'll see, man. Sky's the limit. Now, granted, I know coming up, they're, they're listen, all rookie quarterbacks have their hiccups. He's going to have some ups. He's going to have some downs. But, man, after that performance, you've got to say uh, the future looks bright in Philly. And I'm going to put my money on the, mount, on the line here. I'm going to take Carson Wentz. This is a bold, crazy statement out of me. And right now he's 300 to 1 to win the MVP. I'm throwing $100 down on the Wentz wagon, and I think he's going to take this team to the playoffs, and I'm going to be thirty grand richer. How's that sound? Well, then maybe you could put some money back into the Brotherly Love podcast, and we can actually like turn this thing into a real uh, enterprise here. Uh, I love it. By the way, follow us on Twitter, at BelovePodcast. You can email the show, BrotherlyLovePodcast at Yahoo.com. Joe O'Donnell and John Mead here with you, SoundCloud.com and iTunes. Here's my bold prediction, John Mita. The Eagles are going to start 9-0. and <laughs> That is bold. I got six more like wins it. coming for you in succession. It all starts with the Lions. We'll get there in a minute. But I just want to yeah. touch on the Steelers game real quick. Uh, the, sure. the early the – early 
series in the second half where the game was still very much in doubt. Just absolute domination by the Eagles. So you look at the games now. They've come out. They've gotten points on their opening drive in three games, you know, all three games. Second halves, whether they've gotten the ball or not, they've come out, they've been prepared, they've made their adjustments, whatever, they're executing. So those are all good signs from a coaching staff standpoint. And again, that buy-in you talked about, the players believing, something I wasn't sure, again, that could happen. You can you can hold my feet to the fire. And I didn't think Doug Peterson was the right hire, but he did surround himself with good coaches, and we talked about that a lot. That play to Darren Sproles on the first series, you know, two minutes into the first half, was unbelievable. A, because Darren Sproles is a freaking legend, and the Saints are still kicking themselves for trading him. If not, they should be. What a, yeah, yeah. What, what a steal. And by the way, I said it, I think, at the end of last year, or before last year ended. When is Sean Payton going to get fired in New Orleans? They stink. Okay? Yeah. You know, They're awful. You know, move on. Um, but, but to me, that play that... You know, the poise of Wentz, the scrambling ability, Sproles breaking down the sideline, just absolutely picture-perfect and a backbreaker for that Pittsburgh Steelers team. I love the commitment to the run game that I've seen through three weeks. However, if I've got one caveat about the Eagles' offense, they've got to start extending the field vertically. Even if you just show a deep ball occasionally, just haven't seen a lot of it through three weeks, I think that's got to change. Even in the fact if you just go for a shot just yeah. to take a shot, so right. who knows? I mean, there's so much pass interference getting called in the league today. It's totally worth the risk. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. Special teams, opening drive, Pittsburgh goes right down the field. You're thinking, oh, this could be a long afternoon. They block the field goal. And and not to pump my own tires too much, but you know, our last podcast, I said special teams can be the difference in this game. Certainly didn't hurt the Eagles in their romp over the Steelers, which I know you just absolutely soaked up every moment at that field. Uh, the atmosphere was electric. It was fantastic. I did have an annoying Steeler fan behind me in the suite directly behind me. He was chirping the entire – and I thought, my God, if this game goes in the Steelers' favor, I might get my season's tickets revoked. <laughs> this could be trouble. However, I kept my cool. Uh, made some great snarky comments about the Steelers, and I, I told their fans to enjoy the turnpike and their five-hour ride home. And, oh. uh, it was a thing of beauty. And for all our Pittsburgh brethren that listen to our podcast, and just to, to have them eat a little crow, there was nothing more. That was just an awesome performance by that football team and one of the greatest games I can remember at Lincoln Financial Field. By the way, of the email feedback we've gotten the last couple weeks, last last podcast we asked you, what did you want during the Eagles' bye week to happen? We're getting about yeah. 90% Steelers feedback. Pittsburgh Steelers fans that listen to this podcast because they're in the uh, Philly area, they're the ones uh, emailing. So can we please have some Eagles fans email yeah. About Philadelphia sports, please. Brotherly Love Podcast at yahoo.com. How about this? This week's question What do you hate most about Pittsburgh? What do you hate most about the Steelers and the Penguins? Can we get that? Yes. Can we please have right, answers yeah. to that? Brotherly Love Podcast at yahoo.com. All right, Johnny Mita. Eagles are 3 and 0. Undefeated yep. teams, you know, Denver's 4 and 0. There's certainly some teams. Seattle's starting yep. to round into form early in the season here. Detroit Lions, uh-huh. the next test, the House of Horrors from Thanksgiving Day a year ago. How do the Eagles uh-huh. make it 4-0? Well, I mean, this doesn't go without distraction because both you and I learned today that the Eagles had a linebacker that was arrested. Nigel Bradham got himself in a little trouble again, got caught with a loaded concealed gun in a Miami airport, 
her dad was in his backpack. I mean, that's the amazing thing. Due to the fact that what's going on in this country, how you forget you have a loaded gun in your backpack on the way to catch a flight, that's something. So <laughs> definitely the bye week, you, you just didn't want to hear of any distractions. This is going to be a distraction for the team. Now, God knows we all have to wait until these things sort out. He did have a permit for this question, but I'm pretty sure you don't want to bring him to an airport. So that's going to be interesting. Again, Doug Peterson is thrown in the fire. Yeah, he's going to be tested. He was tested with Nelson Aguilar. He kind of took a wait-and-see approach, and we'll see what he does here. Look, Bradham's been good. He's been a big part of the defense. No, he's he's been really solid. And he had the pool boy incident where he attacked the pool boy, apparently rightfully so. Nothing ever came out of that. You know, the league is definitely going to have something to say about this. The other thing is we're going to find out, I guess, later this week is if Wayne Johnson is suspended for 10 games. Something I want to bring up to you, Joe, there's a guy on the Cowboys failed five tests. Now, granted, they're from marijuana, but apparently he's only down for 14 games. So I don't have, I don't understand how one two violations that compared to five is, and they get the same amount. That's kind of interesting. But what I look for this week, let me get back on test. I'm all over the map right now. But Detroit. Now, Detroit just ended up losing to the stinking Chicago Bears. Granted, it's an off week. It's a bye week. Everybody went home. Hopefully they recharge their batteries. It'll be interesting how Coach Peterson gets his team focused. Uh, the one thing is Matthew Stafford, the Detroit Lions, have a very capable offense even though they only scored 14 points against Chicago. Can't really figure that out, but the guy's going to be able to sling the ball. They have a decent group of receivers. They recently acquired Marvin Jones from the Cincinnati Bengals. He's having a fantastic year. The good thing is, Joe, we don't have to play Megatron, okay? Yes, amen. So Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson is, is in retirement, so we don't have to relive that horror story when Billy Davis decided to single cover him with a rookie. I think Jim Schwartz will come out with a huge game plan. You also have to remember the fact that this is where Jim Schwartz was a head coach. Great point. When he got jettisoned. So I think the defense will kind of, you know, win one for the Gipper for him. I think they'll play very hard for him. And let's just see the maturation process of Carson Wentz. I can't wait to see what the game plan is going to be this week. You know, they get some people back. Zach Ertz looks like he's going to be cleared to pay, play for Sunday. That's a great security blanket for the young quarterback. So uh, let's just keep the thing rolling. It's uh, you know I think I think the game how it's going to go. I think at first the Eagles maybe that first quarter they're going to come out. They're going to look a little. I, I could see like a little letdown, little wax. But if there's one thing that I noticed. Uh, from this team in the first three weeks is, okay, they might not have their best stuff in the first half, but it seems once they turn the corner, once they get past halftime, it seems like they make the proper adjustments, they get their team back on track, and then they bring it in the second half. So I look at more of the same from that standpoint. I'll add this. Um, You mentioned the bye week and the preparation and whatnot. It'll be interesting for me to see now first-year head coach Doug Peterson because, remember, his – his mentor, his uh, you know, he's 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 slice he's a slice off that Andy Reid block, and Lord knows there's a lot of block there. Is is Andy Reid's teams were always very good after the bye. I mean, what were the Eagles like nine and one in his first ten seasons after the bye or something like that? So for me, I'm wondering how much he's taken from the Big Red school of coaching and has his team ready to go against Detroit. I don't know enough about the matchups, the Lions to me. You know, you're on the road. It's a dome stadium. It's going to be loud. A, a team that needs a win desperately in Detroit to keep any 
hopes of that NFC North title alive. So it's going to be a big test for the Eagles, but I, I think getting Zach Ertz back, great point by you. You know, Jim Schwartz having roots there for a while, being fired from there. Uh, those are all good motivating factors. And, and knowing what we know about Carson Wentz so far, and again, I'm all on the Wentz wagon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking forward to getting that tattoo. Never. Because um, I'll, I'll have to get divorce papers with it. But uh, I, I just think he's the type of kid you don't have to worry about during the bye week. If anything, he's getting better as the bye week goes on. I know it's a small sample size, and I, I don't know, you know, I can't believe that I'm this on board already. But for me, Carson Wentz um, ha has proven himself now over three weeks. We'll just see what happens as he goes out there Sunday against the Detroit Lions. All right, Johnny, the class of the NFC and the AFC right now. Give me the, the top team for you in each conference. At first, I was going to say uh, New England in the AFC, but they lost to Sexy Rexy in the Buffalo Bills. So, no, I would still think I, I, you got to go with the Super Bowl champs in the AFC, man. Denver's looking mighty impressive. That defense looks unstoppable. They look like they could throw anybody back there at quarterback. So, for me, it would be the Denver Broncos still in the AFC just because their defense is so prolific. And let's face it, last year, Peyton Manning wasn't Peyton Manning. He was more of like a game manager. He was just a regular quarterback that had to make some plays and just keep his team in it and let his defense handle business. So, for me, in the AFC, I would go with the Denver Broncos. Um, in the NFC, you kind of touched on it earlier before. To me, it looks like I know Minnesota's 4-0, and I, I get it, or 3-0. And they play tonight. I still think it's a little fool's gold with Sam Bradford at the helm. Oh, so I'm go oh of course you do. Of course <laughs> you do. Well, you know that game might get flexed at home now. You heard about that, right? Wow, really? Prime time, <laughs> Sammy? Sammy, please. Both teams could be 5-0. and Right? Sammy was jettisoned to the, to the cold tundra of Minnesota. And now he's the reclamation part. I, I mean, I cannot wait Listen, for them to draw. The last line. thing the Original. NFL needs to do is allow Philadelphia fans to get any more drunk and lathered up for Sam Bradford's yeah. return. Yeah. That does well, not benefit the security of Lincoln Financial Field at all. No. And I kind of want the game to stay at 1 o'clock because I have an engagement that I do every year, and that's kind of what this was based on. But anyway, let's talk about the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks, you know, I'm like, God, how could they lose to the L.A. Rams? Well, now all of a sudden the L.A. Rams, if they're getting their doors knocked off, 28 nothing by Chip Kelly and the San Francisco 49ers. Now the L.A. Rams are 3-1. So, for me, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, the great coach in Pete Cal, and their defense. You know, they're not really the Legion of Boom anymore because some of their defensive backs have, have kind of moved on from that secondary, but... They're still a pretty good football team. They always have good special teams. I think they were missing Marshawn Lynch. They're still trying to find that answer at running back to kind of carry the workload that that which, which Marshawn Lynch did for years for that football team. But for me, it's the AFC. It's the Denver Broncos. And right now, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks in the, as the top team in the NFC. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers as the top team in the AFC right now because I, th I think I, – I, I'm a big believer in Mike Tomlin, um, and I think I'm that they've fan. got you know they have a they have a sling it type mentality offensively. Plus, they can run the ball. They don't seem to be missing a beat without Heath Miller, their longtime outstanding tight end, very reliable tight end. Defensively, 
Are they a great football team? I don't know. Uh, I think the jury's still out there. The Eagles prove that they've got some weaknesses, but damn if I'm uh, not going to take you know take Big Ben most Sundays with you know his ability to make plays, extend plays, um, and they've obviously built a winning culture there. So right now, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, because of the experience at quarterback, I'd put slightly ahead of the Denver Broncos, who obviously have a way better defense in the NFC. You know, if the Eagles go 5 or 6-0 and to start the year, I think you have to put them atop your power rankings. The early bye kind of hurts them there. I don't know that the Minnesota Vikings can continue to play. I don't think they're going to be an 8-2 and type football team without Adrian Peterson. I just don't. And I, and I believe in Sam Bradford way more than you do. But I'm just not buying that the Minnesota Vikings are that good, uh, well-rounded offensively without Adrian Peterson in the lineup. A lot of the pundits are talking about the Seattle Seahawks, just like you mentioned, Johnny Mita. So for me, the NFC really still a crapshoot. I, I don't know that I have a favorite right now, power rankings-wise, in the NFC. And I hate to be on the fence about it, but I just think the jury's still out. It's too early in the year. All right, I know I you, could, I could, I, I know, yeah. you, you wanted to spread the love. You had a special spread the love. You want to hit that now? Yeah, let's hit that now. All right, brother, let me cue up the tunes. Some romantic music for you. You get in the element. And then uh, after you feel much better about yourself, you know, let the let the tunes filter into the system. You know, dim the lights, dim the lights. <laughs> spread the love, brother. Spread the love. All right, spread the love. So as, um, as happy as I was on um, Sunday when the Eagles just dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was uh, a sad day for sports. And what I'm referring to is the passing of the great golfer Arnold Palmer. Um, he was a legend. Uh, his nickname, he was, I'm sorry, LeBron James, a.k.a. the original king. And Arnold Palmer was just such a great ambassador for the game of golf. 95 professional wins, 62 PGA wins, seven-time major winner. Uh, goes in the World Golf Hall of Fame. And one thing that people don't realize, it was funny, I heard a great story about him, is that Wilson, who basically was sponsoring him, would not give him a life insurance policy that he wanted in his in his contract. So he said, forget you, Wilson. I'm going to go out on my own. And he essentially started the Arnold Palmer brand. So he was the head of the curve when it comes to sports marketing or, or for that matter, just branding. Um, yourself as a professional athlete just one of the greatest guys another my, my favorite Arnold Palmer story and this links into the Pittsburgh Steelers which is absolutely fantastic uh, Arnold Palmer's grandchildren uh, were at the golf course or Arnold's club in Latrobe Pennsylvania and who happened to be playing golf there oh yeah that's right Big Ben Roethlisberger Arnold Palmer's grandchildren went up to Big Ben wanted to get some autographs Big Ben told them to go beat it take a hike they called their grandfather, the great Arnie, on the phone. He comes to the golf course, and he gives Big Ben a great lashing and pretty much threw him off the golf course. And that will go down as one of the great all-time stories because Big Ben's a creep. Always be a creep. So all you Pittsburgh brethren, take that in your, put that in your pipe and smoke it. But let's get back to Arnold Palmer. And another, another great tribute was, the great team golf tournament, the Ryder Cup, uh, was this weekend. And the United States blasted Europe. And on the first tee, when they started off, before they teed off to start the tournament, they had Arnold Palmer's golf bag there. 
1974 bag. So what a great tribute to him. So many of those golfers looked up to him. He was you know, a role model. He did things the right way. So, And who doesn't love a great Arnold Palmer drink? <laughs> One Amen. of my favorites. So, Amen. So Arnold Palmer, uh, he's going to be sorely missed. I always love when him and Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player they always tee off the first hole to start the Masters tournament, something that I always tuned in for. And um, he's going to be sorely missed. Golf, you know, we lost a legend, and hopefully everyone recognizes that. And he changed a lot of lives of many athletes. And from everything that I've heard of the stories, was just an absolute stand-up guy. And so that big shout-out, my buddy, my buddy who dials in, us in every week, Joe Hoover, he said, you better talk about Arnie this week. And I said, Joe, absolutely right. We will talk about the original king, Arnold Palmer. So big ups to Arnie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Atta guy. Well done. And who doesn't love a good Arnold Palmer, by the way? Yeah. I pretty much grew up on yeah. T-Cooler, for crying out loud. Ah, as far as T-Cooler, no um, doubt. I could, I could spread the love. Uh, but it wouldn't. It, it was going to be something kind of ridiculous and silly, and wouldn't do it justice following that up. So, I'll squash that for now, and we will uh, be back hopefully after the Lions game, and the Philadelphia Eagles are off to a four zero start. That would be perfect world, my friend. Perfect world for all of us in, uh, in the Bird Gang. So, good stuff, Johnny Mita. Hope you're doing well, Great my friend. Stuff, as always, Joe. Appreciate all the oh, love yeah. and support on SoundCloud.com and iTunes. You can subscribe yeah. and download us. Uh, again, Brotherly Love Podcast at Yahoo.com. What do you hate most yeah, about what? Pittsburgh? Exactly. <laughs> can we get some other emails from our fans in Pittsburgh? I mean, not that I don't like these guys. They're good guys. But at the same time, come on, Philadelphia, bring it. We even have female Pittsburgh fans emailing the show. Oh, God. No, <laughs> All right, that does it. Brotherly Love Podcast signing off. Birds are going to be 4 and 0, make it 9 and 0 in my book. I got to start 9 and 0, John Mita. 9 and 0. 9 and 0, bring it. <laughs> All right, be good, brother. See you, bud. Till next time, soundcloud.com and iTunes. We'll see. listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.